Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well. Well, welcome back to episode four. Thank you so much for listening, by the way. I do appreciate it. And you're listening to my good self, Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. Don't forget, by the way, there's loads and loads of stuff on my website, plantplots.com. You can find all sorts of bits of information about design and planting plans and ideas for layouts and gardens. And I've also got a book which is called I Want to Like My Garden. For those of you who are new listeners, you can download it, give it to somebody for Christmas. It's really aimed at helping you make your garden better in terms of not imposing fabulous, expensive, all-encompassing designs. It's all about you finding those little tricks and tips and hints and things that will transform your garden and something you can do yourself. So take a look and do please let me know what you think. Feedback is always really great. I sit on this side of the microphone and I burble out to you and upload it onto the podcast provider and then it's listened to on Spotify and Apple and wherever. But I have no knowledge about what you think unless I hear back from you. And hopefully you find my burblings useful. And if not, tell me or tell me what you would like me to talk about. Love to hear your feedback. And if you do send something through, thank you very much. This week, it's about choosing design layouts. So we're not trying to make adjustments to a garden. We're trying to redesign and change the layout and the use of a garden. It might be that you've just bought a new house and you've decorated the interior and now you're coming outside. It might be that it's a change of life. Kids have now grown up and they're no longer running around on the grass and you're fed up with looking at the play slide and you want something a bit more grown up. How do we begin to make changes to our garden to get the design layout to work well. And it's really difficult sometimes, I completely understand. And when you've had your garden and you've stared at your garden, say five, 10 years, if you've been living there, that it's so familiar, you can't think a process of how to make changes. So obviously we've dealt with in the previous three podcasts about the negatives and that process still applies to you. You've got to look at what's wrong and plan ahead for not making a mistake and all those things that we've we've discussed in previous weeks. But how do we sort out layouts, the design? 
this word, isn't it, that we're all saying, a garden design. Well, what is a garden design? Is it the styling? Is it the flowers? Is it the finishing touches? Well, no, not really. Design is all about making something more useful, more workable. We tend to think about garden design as trying to create something more beautiful. And then we get caught because we're, we're looking at beautiful images rather than the design layout. I mean, if you went to a kitchen company and you were going to get your kitchen redone, you plan your kitchen around how you're going to use it. It's the key thing. That's the layout. That's the bit that really matters. You don't want to have the sink, the diametric opposite end of the kitchen to the, the cooker because you've got to walk all the way across the kitchen with a hot pan of boiling water. So everything's based on how you will use the space. But the problem that most people get when they're trying to think about garden design is, as I've said, you're looking for beautiful. So the way that you get inspiration for beautiful is to look at images, look at Pinterest, go and look at some of the gardening magazines, you buy books, you go to flower shows, you go to RHS shows. And then what happens is this, you impose the beautiful layout in your garden. But if you haven't completed those what if, what are the fast factor steps that we've discussed in previous weeks, you will just create a beautiful space that might not work the way that you need it to. And most of you have said, yeah, but that would never happen because landscapers and we work with them and it wouldn't happen. Well, it does. I mean, I've had clients come to me and, and they've had landscapers in and they've got paths laid and patios laid and they've just turned around and said, garden's just, just not doing it. it. It doesn't work the way I want to. And that's the consequence of this garden design being beautiful process. So it's much simpler. So I'm going to go through a, a few sort of ideas and tips and things that you can just put in your mind. But ultimately, we all use gardens in the same way. We have that Sunday morning, Saturday morning quiet time your coffee and your croissant spot. Where would you take your chair to sit just for that little piece of quiet in the morning before the world gets going? We all have our place in the garden where we gravitate to because it hopefully gets the last vestiges of sunshine. It's, we sit there and we just say, yeah, the sun's going down, I've got the sun on my face, it's lovely. There may be a spot that you take yourself where you just have nobody else can see you. Those spots are never going to change because that's the environment, the micro environment that your garden has. So those are the spots you have to work the garden to because that's how you're going to use it. You need to ask the questions. If I could sit anywhere Given, given the perfect garden, if I could sit anywhere, where would I want to sit? 
Where would I like to sit? Build a garden around that space then. Identify those issues that would stop you from sitting in that place because it's the, ultimately it's the best place. We then remove the negatives, those emotional negatives that might prevent you from using that space and build the garden around that. That would then be a really good design, wouldn't it? Because it works for how you want the garden to be. Where do I naturally walk to navigate my space? Am I walking there simply because that's where the path has been put? And actually, I, I, I really would go that way. Ask these simple, simple questions. Because we've all seen gardens, you know, where there's a, this path that wibbles its way down the garden, and then you can see some footprints across the lawn because everyone just bypasses it and goes over there. Well, the path is completely ineffective then, isn't it? It's an expensive white elephant that's been created for the wrong reasons. The key point to designing is what I said in a previous podcast about what Einstein said. Genius is making complex problems simple, not making simple problems complex. In your space, in your back garden, your backyard, your front yard, ask yourself, what is the minimum changes that I need to make in order to make the garden work how I want them to work, how I would like it to work? Because if we've used less effort, less energy, less money, less resources and less time to create that, the design is a good one, isn't it? It's all about the questions and the solutions to your particular instances. What actually is the physical process? If someone sent me pictures of the garden, what do I do? What do I think? How do I do it? And therefore, how can you do it with your space? Now, I have a sketchbook on my laptop. You might just have pen and paper. So the starting point is always a scale drawing. You have to know the size of the garden. You have to measure it and you have to get that down on computer or on a piece of paper. On that piece of paper, mark in those elements that you cannot change. Drainage covers, big trees, maybe some hard landscaping that you are not going to have the ability to alter. So it gives you the space that you have left to play with. And then you need to start to work out, you know, in terms of sitting and where I want to be in this particular garden and put those down so you know that's your primary space. Most gardens aren't big enough to have two or three or four different seating areas or little spots in the garden. So prioritise. When would you use the garden the most? Is it in the morning? Is it in the evening? Is it just weekends? Understanding your needs determines the design. So the priority seating space. And quite often I'm asked by people, well, how big should I should should it be? What 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 space do I need to have? So again, it's very practical. 
take your dining room. If you've got a dining table or in the kitchen, you've got the kitchen table and you all eat around there and people walk up to the table and they pull the chairs out and they sit down and when you're all eating, how much space do you take up as a family? That's the minimum space you need outside then, isn't it? It's very simple. So you can measure that space and then you can give yourself an extra 60 to 80 centimetres berth so that when everyone's sitting around the table, you've got space to walk around everyone sitting around the table. So you know the minimum area you need to have for you to all feel comfortable if eating outside in the evening is the thing that you want to do. It may be you don't have enough space for that, but give yourself enough space. Be generous with your personal space. There are too many times when you see tiny little bistro tables and a couple of chairs and everything else is then lots of other stuff around and people shoehorn themselves into this. Well, that's not very comfortable. What do you want to achieve when you're in the garden? Is this a relaxing space? So if you're just sitting in a chair and you haven't got space to move without getting around plants or, or the path or the lawn is taking up all the space in the garden, you're not giving yourself the right priority, are you? Small, garden size has been getting smaller over the last 20, 30, 40 years, but as humans, we're, we're not getting smaller. Proportionately, the space that you may need to have in your garden for eating or entertaining or relaxing or dining or whatever it is, that will take up a bigger space. Make sure you feel comfortable with that space, in that space. So that's one of the first practicalities that you have. Second point I would like to make is obviously with the hard landscaping, as we've discussed in the past, that is a, a change that will be there with you possibly for the next 20 years. So really think about it in terms of its shape and its layout according to how you want to use your garden, not imposing a pretty image onto your space. Ultimately, we walk on a patio, tables, chairs, outdoor sofas, pots, all sorts of things go on a patio. Do you walk in your sitting room, staring at the carpet, thinking, wow, what a fabulous carpet this is? No, we walk on it. So make sure the patio is simple and efficient, because then it will be something that you will use, but not notice. Don't spend your budget on enhancing or decorating something that you're just going to walk on. But it's the right approach when you've got a small garden. The rest of the garden, without hard landscaping, can change quite regularly. It doesn't have to be perfect today or tomorrow. You will have looked at the negative elements. It may be that when you've built your patio, you know that the wind blows from the southwest and the best space for your patio actually in terms of sunshine and how where you want to use it leaves you exposed to the wind so that's a practical problem that you're going to have to resolve 
but it's an easy resolution. Okay, we need to find some form of windbreak for here because then I can use my main space as I want to. How, what, why, what if? Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. What will go wrong? What is the worst that can happen? And all your design decisions then will be based on sensible things. But I still haven't really given you an idea of style and layout and design. So this is where then I suppose the aesthetics start to come in. We've done the practicality bit. And now you need to go out to that space or where you propose to have your, your seating space. Take your chair, sit down, stand up, look around you, shut your eyes, open them again. What do you see? What do you want to see? What don't you want to see? Mark these on your plan. You will invariably sit in the same orientation. We, we all know if we've got the table and chairs out in the garden, haven't we? You will gravitate to the same chair generally because it's the one that might, you might prefer the sun on the back of your head or you might prefer the sun on your face. You have a preferred orientation in your garden. So sit the chair in that orientation and see what you see. Because that then begins to determine how you're going to put in features. The, if you remember back from the first podcast, the distraction, the disguising, the enhancing. These are the emotional features that we are going to be putting into the space. Because when you're sitting, you're looking at a, a level that is probably what? one and a half meters above ground. What are you seeing at that eyeline level? That's a key part of the design. What am I going to see when I'm sitting down? I don't want to see stuff at ground level. I'm not looking at ground level. I will look out into my garden. If I stand up at this base, what do I see? How do I feel around me? What's looking in at me? What's blowing? What's, what are the negative aspects of me being in this space now? And how do I resolve them? Do I need a strategically placed privacy tree at the far end there that takes that window away? Can you see, it's not about saying, oh, I want a, a style or I want to put this plant in or I want to put that plant in or I need to create a, a border over, over here. It's why? Do I need to create a border over here? I need to create a border over this part because that's where I'm naturally looking. So then it'll tell you what that border's job has got to be. When I'm sitting on my patio and I stare at the garden from this particular orientation, that's my main view. Therefore, that border has got to deliver something, hasn't it? It's got to give you that sense of emotional feeling that you want to create. It could be calming, it could be bright and happy, it doesn't matter. That's the styling, but you know what it's got to do. So on your piece of paper or on your design sketchbook, you can say that board has got to be there and it's got to do this job, which means for it to do that job, it's got to occupy this three-dimensional space. And then 
the only other element that we have to, to fit in is lawn space, if we're going to have one, or open space, or travelling space. Now, I didn't say path for a very specific reason. If I say path to you, you assume there will be this hard landscaping feature that you must create in order to get there. But a path doesn't have to be that obvious. It can be more subtle. It can be a gap between a border. It can be a formal path. It's just a gap. It's just a route. So you can think then, how would I need to walk to access other parts of the garden? Do I want a particularly formal, direct, this is the way arrow leads down here route? Or can it be more informal that I just simply pass from one area to another and then I get somewhere? If you're having a lawn, often these are bigger than your seating areas. If it is the largest shape that you have in the garden, then you need to consider the orientation of that shape and how it fits in with your seating space and how you get to it. Do you have an entrance that you go through to get to the lawn? Should the lawn be set at the same line as the, the fencing or do we offset it, which is something I've spoken about in lots of different design videos and and obviously on my YouTube site, you'll see there's lots of videos that I, I show you how to do that. What is the line that that biggest shape is going to take? How does it connect? Don't forget, lots of people do patio and then lawn and then border at the end. Well, you could reorient it very simply. You could do patio, border that you walk through onto the lawn. Totally changes the dynamic of the garden. It's a really good way, actually, if you've got family you know children that you bring the flower garden right next to the patio where you sit the kids have to go through it onto the lawn but you get the enjoyment of the the flower space beside where you're using your main space and the kids are over on the grass at the other end running around and doing their thing why have the borders so far away from you when they could be right next to you it's all about the thought process Everything has to be practical and everything has to have been thought through what happens if. You know, if you're going to have a, a route down the garden, how often is it going to be used? If it's the one where the kids are coming from the patio down through the flower border to somewhere and they're running up and down and they've got bicycles and tricycles and everything else, it's better that it's hard landscaping because then it's going to be more hard wearing. But if it's not so often used like that why invest money in having a path you know lots of people say oh i don't want to walk on the grass if my shoes get wet well if you only walk down there once a week to go and get the mower out does it really matter in the winter time that your shoes got wet did you need to spend five thousand pounds building a path that you use for two minutes once a week ask these questions i haven't really discussed border shapes and where borders should be and where they should go in the garden and that's very simply because of this design principle when you've put your patio down when you've determined the routes that you're going to use to get through your garden when you've determined the shape and the size of the lawn and its orientation 
the spaces left over are the places that you put the plants because they're the spaces you're not going to be using. Whenever we're creating a garden design or whether you want to create a garden layout, plants are really, really good at hiding leftover shapes and spaces. If you produce borders, then the big shapes in your garden get interfered with and that messes up the aesthetics of the design. Always leave where the plants go till the end and then you find the plants that are suitable for the positions that you have those spaces for them. Because plants can grow anywhere. They'll grow on every continent of this earth apart from Antarctica. So there will be something that will grow. We just need to find the right one. So I hope I haven't bamboozled you too much with design layout and you've at least got a thought process about how to do it, but hopefully it's demystified it just a little bit. So next week, I'm going to talk about styles. So I'll see you then. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.